welcome to the newest episode of the Lebanese Physicians Podcast. And today our topic will be about how to establish a peer-reviewed medical research journal. And our guest is Dr. Gregory Nicholas. Dr. Nicholas is currently a PGY-5 plastic surgery resident at the University of Sao Paulo in uh, Sao Paulo, Brazil, uh, which is a good place to do a plastic surgery residency. And he had graduated from the Lebanese American University in the past uh, and uh, then moved to Brazil afterwards for the plastic surgery residency. And uh, we're going to discuss his pathway to Brazil and then discuss how he came to establish the journal uh, and what prompted him to do that. Uh, welcome to the podcast, Dr. Uh, Dr. Nicholas. Thank you so much, Dr. Deb. I'm really happy and honored that you invited me to hear you talk a bit about International Journal of Clinical Research and the path and all of that. So thank you so much. Yeah, and I can tell you uh, before we start that uh, some of the anesthesia uh, residents and faculty here had submitted an article to your journal and they were very happy that they just got acceptance uh, in the journal recently. So <laughs> uh, Great, great. Actually, I didn't know... Um, I'm really happy for that. We're getting more coverage and it's, it became a, a very high international journal through the last, I think, six months where it, it, we had the extreme exponential growth. So I'm really happy with that. Right, right. And so, so one thing that intrigues me is uh, typically when, when people graduate, let's say, from the Lebanese American University Medical School or the American University of Beirut, there's like a certain pathway that we all follow like you. You want to go to the U.S., so you start applying there and go to the U.S. Some people go to France uh, from some of the universities in Lebanon, but it's a rare thing for people to go to Brazil to pursue the residency. So how, how did you decide to, to go to Brazil? And uh, can you describe the road from Lebanon to Brazil, how it happened? So as you said, I'm currently a PGY-5 in plastic and reconstructive surgery at the University of Sao Paulo. It's considered the, the largest hospital complex in Latin America here. So how did I reach here? Um, it's interesting that you said everybody in my medical school Either most of them ended up in the States or in Europe. But for me, it started in med one. I always had the passion for plastic and mostly reconstructive surgery. When I used to watch a lot of in the hospital videos about reconstructive surgery, how it changes the life of a person, especially when they did the first facial transplant in, the, in France. So I, back in the day. So in med one, I, I actually emailed. Um, I had this dream to meet... Uh, one of the most famous modern plastic surgeons in the world, he was in Rio. It's called Professor Ivo Pitengi. And he, he, the, the New York Times called him the Michelangelo of the scalpel. And so I emailed him and sent him my CV. Back in the day, I had three publications, which I was really proud as a med one. So I was really proud of that. So I emailed him a full text, how much I, I look up to him and honor to him. Uh, and then he emailed me back one month and a half later that he accepted me for an elective at his uh, steam clinic as well, Island. He had uh, an island back in the day. So I went there uh, oh. before he passed away. Yeah, before he passed away, he had, when I met him, he, he had 91, he, he was 91 years old. He passed away at 94. So I met him three years before he passed away. And I spent one month in his clinic the hospital, which is a public hospital where he also practices as a professor, as well as the island where he, he works with animals and all that. He, he saw that I was really interested in research. So he told me, if you want to become a, a, an amazing international renowned plastic and reconstructive surgeon, you have to focus on research and reconstructive surgery. Although his clinic was mostly aesthetic. 
So he told me that and it stayed in my head. So when I went back to Lebanon, I focused on research and focused on publishing. And then I was presenting in uh, in a conference in Lebanon when I was med, in the med, in the end of Met 3, start of Met 4. I, I presented a, a research that I did in surgery, general surgery, in, in a conference in Lebanon. Then I presented the same work in, in France. And, and I met the dean and the provost uh, the provost and dean of education, as well as the chairman of gynecology, Professor Baraka, in in those conferences, and he invited me. He, he told me, "You're a really good uh, student, and uh, I need you. I want you to come and meet the University of São Paulo." I had no idea about University of São Paulo. It's not a very well known university by its name, but here in Latin America, it's known to be the biggest complex, more than seven thousand two hundred beds. So I didn't know about it. I came here and. Uh, I met the plastic and reconstructive surgery department. It is exceedingly big. Um, like the numbers are, are they amaze me. And, and at that day, I put in my head, I want to go there. I want to I wanna study plastic and reconstructive surgery, focus on reconstructive, that's the hospital. There in this hospital, University of Sao Paulo, the Hospital das Clinicas, the main hospital. And that's how I reached. So I did two years general surgery, always focused on research, building my CV. Then I applied and did my exams, and uh, I was directly accepted. When I w- finished my PGY2, I entered and did plastic surgery here in the uh, University of Sao Paulo. And now I'm a PGY5 in plastic and reconstructive surgery here. Exactly. And, and people, people, I'm going to go out of, before we start talking about the, your journal. So people, when they say plastic and plastic surgery, they always think about like... Uh, breast augmentation or rhinoplasties and stuff like that. But the, what the one very important part of it is the reconstructive surgery, right? Like breast reconstruction exactly. or uh, burn injuries. Uh, uh, microsurgery. Microsurgery is so, so that's a, that's an important point. And that's what you're focused on right now, right? Yeah. So as everybody knows, Brazil is very famous in aesthetic parts, right? right. Uh, the the beauty of the, the, the breast augmentation, the, the, the abdominoplasties, the liposuction, liposuction high definition, which is a famous Brazilian and Latin American thing. But also the, the, the one of the most important thing that residents uh, should focus on and a good residency program is when they have their constructive part. The reconstructive part, whether it's burn unit, uh, post-oncology, whether uh, reconstructing the face, the, the, the hand, the body, um, and also the breast reconstruction, which was one of the most complex, but one of the most complex surgeries in the world, not just in plastic, is microsurgery, where the surgery goes from eight hours up to 14 hours, where we take a bone from the leg, which is the fibula, we put it on the face, or we do a face transplant or a skin transplant. These are really complex surgeries, very interesting, and a lot of people don't know about them, and uh, I always like to do and uh, talk about them because they're my favorite part of plastic, which I want to do a fellowship in. Right, right, right. So, so basically, I mean, not not everyone, I guess, uh, as you're walking around doing your training, you're very busy, and uh, not everyone. And, and you see, you see, like journals or peer review journals. But I never thought about like myself walking around and like, all right, I need to establish a a peer reviewed <laughs> pulmonary journal. So how how did how did this come about? Like, how did you decide to establish the International Journal for Clinical Research. Like, what what got got you, uh, or what brought the thought into your mind that this is something that's going to be successful, or that you can do yourself? That is a interesting question that uh, has multiple phases. For 
it wasn't like we want to open a journal from one day to another, but a lot of things brought it up. A lot of things and a lot of things that today been that is being talked about is something that we thought about when we established this. One of the things that you notice now, it's about how, how journals are becoming abusive with the prices, right? These are the things that we're hearing about them now. But we've noticed them back in the day when we were medical students. So when I started as a medical student, um, I noticed the financial hardships that uh, you pass through so that you were able to publish in an open access. Uh, and journals benefit from that. So that was one of the, the pioneer thing or, or the main objectives is why we established this. We wanted to establish something which is totally free of charge, open access for everybody to be able to publish. When I, um, so when I was a medical student and pre-med, I, I was always interested in research. So when I was in med one and med two, I started getting to know what research is in a clinical hospital. So I wanted to publish more articles. As an experience, start to start with a case report, right? And I started to learn by myself how to publish a case report. You get the basic knowledge very well from LU, but the experience on how to publish is only done by yourself. When how to upload, how to look for a journal, how to critique, how to review, and all that is only done with yourself. So I, I started learning how to publish a case report and it took me three months. By reaching that all the tired work, I reached to, to find the journal and then the cost was exceeding, an exceeding cost for you to publish a case report. But I was able to find a way to sponsor it and I continued publishing until I reached, I think in the end of Met 4, up to uh, 28 articles uh, from case reports, original text, and narrative reviews. So one of the main pillars on why we opened this, as I talked about right now, is the financial hardship. The second thing is we wanted to have a growth of knowledge on how a journal works. We wanted to learn how to become editors. And the third one is we wanted to educate the younger uh, graduates on how journal works so that they can be prepared for a fellowship and all that. And all these ideas together formulated one day that we said, why don't we open a journal? And uh, it started with that. And it was my idea when I talked to my, my, my colleagues, I said, why don't we open a journal and actually make it free of charge, total free of charge, open access for both author and readers. It's one of its kind. And I hope it, it stays like that and forever will stay like that, fully free. So if you ask me what was the main thing is, the, the payments that we had a total hardship to pay an article in a developing country, which I back then I was in Lebanon. And there's many countries that find this after all their work, they cannot pay for the, the article. So that's how we started this. Right. And, and I agree. I think if you look at, uh, there's a lot of open access journals that are uh, coming out and they keep sending emails. Some of them, you don't know what, uh, who the editorial board is or, anything like that. And there's uh, also other, uh, even the even the non-open access journals these days are providing, like say saying, all right, if you wanna do publish with us open access, then we can charge you thousands of dollars per article to be able to do that. And I think I agree with you, this puts some people in developing countries at a disadvantage because they can't afford to pay these fees. Uh, so before before we go into this more too, so what's, what's the mission, mission and vision of the journal? So that's a very important thing that I've, I've, 
actually talked about throughout these three years, talking about the, the journal, I have repeated it all. And it's, it's very important that we focus on the main parts of the journal. First, uh, IGCR started as a journal, an open access, peer-reviewed, uh, with interactive clinical content, fully free. And with time, we grew and we became registered as a nonprofit organization in Delaware, USA, where we're unique in the, in the world of journals is that we're a totally free journal, a free open access journal with zero article processing charges for both the authors as well as the readers. They don't need to subscribe to read the articles. And the, our mission, main mission and goals is, is, as I said, and I'm going to repeat it, we want to establish equity in the publication fees where we waive all the publication fees to make sure that no authors all over the world are financially disadvantaged. We always, but this does not affect to guarantee high quality publication. We developed an editorial board from more than 30 countries and all of them are high research uh, physicians, residents, fellows, even junior attendings now after three years, some of them graduated by employing rigorous editorial peer review and statistical review processes. Uh, through this, we, we established a mission and a goal that we want to encourage and promote scientific research. How do we promote, and sci uh, promote scientific research? We develop multiple chapters in our organization where we do events. We encourage students, especially students, to know the importance of research. And this is one of our main mission and goal is to, to raise awareness that being a doctor is not only studying and just that being a doctor is also evolving medicine and how you evolve medicine, how you evolve your career is through research and always learning. Publication is not only that, you learn research for yourself, to test yourself, to question yourself. So this is one of our main mission goals in IGSTR where we educate the medical student. And as all journals, we wanna improve patient outcomes because main publication don't only come from developed countries where they have an ease they have funding for research, but also from developing countries. And this can include and conclude that these research articles will improve patient outcomes where we open from these developing countries. So throughout the time, we, 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 our mission and goal established where we have multiple indexations, ISSN, DOI, Crossref, Google Scholar, PubLens, DOAJ, and we're finalizing through the maturing stage with PubMed and Scopus. I think this summarizes our main mission and goal that I always like to raise an awareness for. Yeah, I agree. And, and, and you publish all kinds of articles, right? Including like from, from anywhere from uh, clinical trials uh, to uh, case series, case reports, and review articles. So this is, this is important that you open this up. We, we, we know our limitations and the limitation of the journal. The limitation is, for example, we accept case report, case series, narrative review, systematic uh, review, as well as original text. Clinical trials, you need a higher, uh, not only a journal, you need a higher emphasis on the governmental to understand the system of the government and all that, how it introduces clinical trial. So clinical trial and meta-analysis, we don't include them now. Our, our journal accepts case report, case series, uh, narrative review, as well as original text. What till now we don't accept is meta-analysis and, and the clinical trials. Why? Because we know our limitation. This is a newly risen journal that we want to focus on the uh, first 
the, the, the education part, getting great articles, helping them write these great articles. We have our education part. And with time, when we develop, we will accept meta-analysis as well as clinical trials. Excellent. And uh, one question I have for you is, uh, we talked about a bit about your success stories so far. So how many articles have you published? And, and I guess how many uh, journal, uh, let's say, volumes or uh, uh, have, you, have you had so far? So um, journal pu- published in IJCR, how many publications in IJCR? Yeah. We have until now uh, approximately in total if I'm not mistaken, 18 publications in the first volume and 10 publication as open, still doing, didn't finish the second volume. Uh, we started this in a, in a we accept, we, we focus on quality more than quantity. We have approximately every month, 180 papers being uploaded. We don't reject papers. We, we do accept them if they have the criteria and we help these students, residents, fellows, and junior attendings for them to make those paper in a very high quality uh, place. But for them to be in high quality, it takes time, right? So our editors help them and guide them on how to make their paper in a very suitable way for them, for us to accept them. But of course, we do a reject certain papers where, where authors, uh, don't know the main things on how writing a, a case report, original text, but we guide them outside the journey so that they are ready for that. And my next question for you is, you said you, you put, you're an open access journal that publishes without costs. So how do you get your funding uh, to be able to do that? Because obviously it That's costs a, to be able to publish, right? That is a very important question. We yeah. When we started this uh, journal, we were... We didn't think it through. We started it just for us to practice and we had no idea it's gonna grow this much, right? And when we started it in on March, 2020, officially our first indexation was March, 2020. We were in nine cities, five countries. And we had the extreme exponential growth. And today we have approximately 132 countries and more than 1,620 cities being open in uh, on our journal so as you can see it has grown a lot we have a lot of systems we have a lot of platforms and all this costs and we are a non-profit organization right and we developed this journal for for authors to be able to publish fully free but we develop different things where we are sponsored in certain aspects we give courses to different universities where we get paid for these courses uh, we have membership fees for, for teaching uh, students about research and journal clubs and all that. All these fundings that we get, we throw them and we submit it and we sponsor and we evolve and we invest it in the organization. And this is how we, we were, we're sustaining ourselves. And, and thank God it's actually being good and people are believing this. A lot of universities have established with us this. Excellent. So you don't have like, you don't have, I think you also about like, do you have any business sponsors or business partners uh, that sponsor your journal or most of your funding is through affiliations with universities and through education and teaching? In the future, when it's going to grow a lot and we're going to have more indexations, we might have sponsors where we do marketing and all that. But um, for now, it's mainly affiliation with universities, donations from universities, donations from 
individuals that is actually helping us to grow. And with time, we, we're, we're, we're going to have more expenses due to the growth and we'll, we'll always figure it out. And that's, uh, that's my job in the, the organization to figure out how to sustain this organization. And obviously, through through your through a lot of your international collaborations, you've been able to grow the journal and and advertise it. I guess can you tell me a bit more about the international collaborations that you have and some of the ways you've advertised your journal uh, over time? Perfect. As I said, recently we reached an exponential growth to 130 countries and 1,620 cities. All of this through our work, where we have. Um, multiple chapters in, in IGCR Central, the organization. Some of the chapters are the webinar series, the podcast, the course, as well as our biggest chapter, which is the Medical Student Advisory Board. I'm gonna talk a bit about each one of them so that you understand how these influence, first, our growth, as well as establishing our credibility as a journal. All of them is, is, a, is, a, is a cycle together. It's a positive cycle that one influenced the other. First, I'm gonna talk about our webinar series that happens every two months, where we invite big physicians who their life changed and influenced other people through their research, big researchers throughout the world. Every two months, we have one of these big events where we invite these researchers. We started with Professor Bruce Chesson, who uh, is famous for the lymphoma uh, treatment. He has the Chesson criteria and lymphoma treatment. This is very well known in research as well as in IAH. So we started with him and he was amazed uh, by our journal doing all this for free. And he started this events with us. And when starting with this events, it started, people started noticing our organization more and more, as well as establishing credibility, inviting these researchers to talk and, and explain about the importance of research. I opened a lot of medical students from all over the world. I'm gonna say why I'm always focusing about medical students in a bit. We had uh, Dr. Alice Kansas, who is the director in Memorial Sloan in pediatric research, Dr. Robert Peter Gale, William O, as well as Patrick Koo. And our next speaker is actually used to be the chairman of oncology at MD Anderson, who is, she will be speaking at in March 19. So all these events actually raise the awareness of the importance of research as well as establish our credibility. As well, some of the students, actually, we grew so much that one of the students and a fellow applied. And uh, in the, during the interview, they, they saw, for example, they were a medical student member of IJCR. The fellow, he was, he's a section editor. So they asked him, you're, you're part of IJCR. We heard of it during one of the events that was invited to. And that was a positive thing for in, during the interview, being part of IGCR. Um, second thing we have is the podcast, where we do these podcasts so that we simplify the information and the live background. How did researchers reach where they are through research? And it is done by uh, Jake Muldoon, who is a PhD in chemist. But that the famous thing about him is a very charismatic talker, simplifies things. And he does this so that he explains what is behind these researchers? Also increase our, our vision as well as collaboration outside. And the biggest chapter by far is the Medical Student Advisory Board. And I, I reach here because if we're gonna influence someone, who's it gonna be? Be the medical student all over the world. 
had a lot of people who actually talked to me and told me introducing medical students in a journal will demean the journal because you're, you're actually putting people who don't know a lot about research in a journal. I had a different idea. Putting medical students in a journal, we can actually teach them on how research focus, how research works. So this is where we started with MSA, the Medical Student Advisory Board, where now we have more than 117 medical students from 30 countries. And every four months we accept students more. We have more than 600 applications and we accept, we accept some of them that we actually can educate and teach. So in the last term, we had opportunity for up to 117 students from the 520 applied. And this is how we do. So why do we accept students? We, we, we introduce them to research by them following a section editor. It's called the, the fellowship. It's a, it's a kind of a fellowship thing where they follow up with a section editor. They mentor them, they shadow them on how a paper goes through the journal. We have the journal club chapter every two weeks where we discuss a paper and we invite a guest editor or a guest uh, physician researcher so that they can critique a paper with the students where they learn how to understand the paper. We have the research opportunity chapters where we create a kind of affiliations between different universities so that they accept a student from somewhere. For example, somebody from Cleveland Clinic the other day told me, do you have two students who know how to publish know how to write a paper to help me out with the paper. So I linked them somebody from Lebanon and somebody from India. So this way he can help them and they can get a publication out of it. So this is a research opportunity chapter where you have multiple students with multiple researchers from all over the world being connected with each other. We have the growth and development chapter that always focuses on what do you think we should do more for the students? We have the social media chapter that is done by the students to share all the knowledge that they gain through our social media, whether that's Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn, Facebook, all this is for them to share everything that they're learning through the social media. The digital health chapter is a chapter that has been recently created and get, got a lot of attention from the USA, from Dr. Chang. He's from Stanford. Dr. Chang started the AI society in the States and he noticed that we have a digital health chapter and he proposed a fellowship for two students every year from our organization to participate in his society. So it's a big thing that uh, showed the importance of the advancement of medicine in, in, in AI field and all that, the digital health chapters and make students notice that medicine is not only studying from books, but we also have to notice about the advancement, what's happening there. And there's no better than a place that focuses on research to learn of advancement. We have the Pioneers in Medicine, which is the events where students participate. They can communicate with these big researchers to learn from them, uh, ask them from electives, to, to learn from the different fields on what they do. As well as we have the International Student Outreach. This is the main part on how we developed and we expanded. The students themselves invite us to become part of uh, different organization. For example, we finalized a contract with IFMSA, the International Federation of Medical Student Association, where we, we, we help each other. They participate in our events, but at the same time, they, they, they send our events during their students. So this helped us get more in contact with medical students from different countries. And in the last eight months, we did 
more than 20 events in more than 20 countries. So this is how we reach more countries. And this is how students are, are as I, I like to tell them that, they are the core of all this organization. It's the students who are the core of this organization. And we could have not have reached where we are today if it was not from the medical students. So we do, we do a lot of events, we do a lot of meetings, we do a lot of affiliations. And as, as for me, myself, I did um, the, the microsurgery where we did affiliations with different universities so that we learn from one another in microsurgery. This also increased the knowledge of IJCR. And there's many more uh, events that we did throughout these, year, these two years that increased our credibility and at the same time, our knowledge about this. And so, uh, yeah, it's, it's very important, I think, to target the medical students because also not only do you help them out, but at the same time, these medical students are going to become uh, residents, fellows, junior faculty afterwards, and, and you'll have a good uh, or, a, or, a, or a, a stable following for your journal in the future. Uh, now, my exactly. yeah, my next question for you is, uh, uh, what are some of the lessons learned, I guess, along the way? I think we discussed some of them now when you were talking, but uh, what are some of the other lessons learned along the way? So um, everything, it's a day-to-day -day thing. I learned a new thing. Like when we started the idea of opening a journal, I never thought that I'm going to work every day four hours on this organization. Like, you learn through trial and error. I learned on, actually, I learned how to manage a journal. I learned how to become an editor. I learned how to be a good reviewer. And through when I'm learning this, I, I taught it. I, I wrote summaries about it to teach it. But more than that, uh, I think what I learned and the most important thing, I learned how to be a, a good leader in this because leading this, I don't like to say that I am the, the CEO or the chief executive officer because in the end, you work together with the whole board members. With our board is, is a 32 people board and we all work together. They, they always say that I'm a good leader, but actually it's not that. It's just because we sit together in a round table and we discuss it. And this is something I learned. You cannot actually order people around it. That doesn't work. In any organization in the world, you should, you should learn how to accept comments, accept critiques. The, the students critique, and I, I listen to it, and they gave me a lot of great ideas to start with. I think this is one of the main things I learned is to value everybody in the hierarchy. I think this is something I learned a lot. I learned about the importance of, of uh, waiving publication fee that's, that differs in the life of a medical student and how happy they become during a publication. Um, there's a lot of things that we learned through this. And I think I didn't notice how much this will impact people from different countries. I think this is something I learned and I'm really happy about is we are impacting a lot of people's lives and, and giving an effort to make a difference in some people's lives. For example, yesterday, yesterday, uh, a medical student from Kyrgyzstan, and I'm going to be honest, I didn't know where Kyrgyzstan is. I didn't know there was a country called Kyrgyzstan. And that medical student, Faizan, actually recently published an amazing publication in Springer. I, I guided him. I, he was shadowing me. And he through IGCR, he had his first publication at, at GCR. 
and he learned the steps of the importance and then he published recently in Springers. So you, you get to see the importance that you're doing in some people's lives that it's simple for us, but for them, it's a big thing. In Lebanon, we gave opportunity to link a lot of medical students with people in the States and Brazil, in Europe, through the organization and the Medical Student Advisory Board. I think these are things that I learned and to value a lot. Right, that, that's important. And yeah, I, th I, think, I think you're doing a great, uh, a great thing with, with this journal, uh, especially these days. I mean, there's a lot of talk about a lot of these big uh, companies that added journals uh, where there, a lot of them are charging fees for open access uh, uh, publications. Uh, and at the same time, they, they ask reviewers to review uh, peer review their the articles uh, without actually compensating them, which peer reviewers are not asking for that. But at the same time, if you're not going to compensate the reviewers, why are you charging these exorbitant fees for publications? So I think these are all important uh, important things that you are targeting and you're working on uh, at this time. And I, I applaud you for that. And I think uh, keep up the good work uh, because you hopefully will be spreading the word uh, that... Uh, uh, that publications uh, can be free and can be done uh, cheaply and are for everyone, including medical students. Thank you so much, Dr. Teb. And, and you opened something really important, actually. Recently, this came out, right, that they want to charge $14,000 for an open access publication. And it's been for years going from $2,000 for up to $14,000, and some journal actually reached $18,000. These fees are absurd, and IGCR is the proof for that. We are not taking any money from any author, and they're getting the best publication possible. It is true that we don't have the highest impact factor, but we're doing the same tools that they're doing. And for us, it doesn't cost anything to pass it through editors, reviewer, and it's absurd the amount of value that's being abused by some journals, although there are the highest and the best journals. I'm not talking about their quality. They, they have a best quality. But it's just the value is, is it's disproportionate. It's not proportionate to, the, to the, what you get. So you work all the work that you do as an author. You, you spend your hours in life. And in the end, you have to pay for a publication to get published in their journal that they're going to own. It's, 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 uh, it's uh, not very proportionate to what you're asking for. And people are paying. Physicians are paying for that from different countries in the world, especially from different countries. Right, exactly. And, and hopefully, hopefully uh, some of your work will maybe lead to changing that Change down that. the road. But no, it's still too early now, but hopefully you shed yeah. light on that. Hopefully it's going to influence a bit people's idea and vision about this. Right, right. Yeah, thank you. Thank you, uh, Gregory, for being on this podcast. And, uh, and thanks for shedding light on uh, the International, International Journal for Clinical Research. Thank you so much, Dr. Teab. And I, I hope we will have this meeting again and you participate in our events. And I want to invite everybody to participate in our events. We want to expand and influence as many people as possible. And this is a free of charge opportunity to everybody to learn and experience. So I, I want to invite everybody to, to join us. Thank you so much, Dr. Diab.